And another time I remember him saying, whenever the government made a new law, they should always get rid of two old laws that weren't really useful or achieving the purpose anymore. Mm. In, a, in a sense, a way that in order to get beautiful roses, you need to prune the rose bush. Hello, and welcome to episode 49 of The Lieberland Show. I'm your host, Adam J. Carswell. Today we are joined by Hans Norvid, representative of Australia. Hans, thank you for coming on the show, and could you share a bit about yourself with our listeners? Thanks very much for having me on, Adam. I really appreciate it. Um, sometimes we forget, or a lot of the world I've noticed forget that we exist down under, and down under has a whole bunch of people who are interested in Lieberland. And if you listen to my name, it doesn't sound particularly Australian, although we could say what is exactly Australian because it's a migrant country. Only the Aborigines who were here more than 60,000 years ago uh, could be called native. Everyone else is somewhere else. But we think of Australia as a Western English-speaking country. But I was born in Denmark and migrated uh, when my family came out when I was 13. So... I have both the European and the English-speaking mindset, so I kind of enjoy that depending where I am. So whenever I'm traveling to your neck of the woods in the United States, I always ham up the Australian bit because I find that people always talk to Australians, they love Australians, and they often buy them a beer, so that's terrific. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have Um, to continue, continue. Well, I'm just just going to say my background is... uh, um, I'm a really a jack of all trades. I'm sort of a person who's always a student. Um, so I've had a few different careers in management, small business, and the latest career I've had is in education as a teacher. And that's actually what I'm doing at the moment when we decide we can meet up with school again with the kids, which hopefully will be next week for me. So we'll see how we go. Nice. But I've done lots of things. I've got an MBA and I've got a Master's of Teaching. I started off in engineering, believe it or not, <laughs> ceramic engineering in this area of material science. And then I went on and um, did an arts degree, did philosophy, history, English, all those good things. So I think the linguistics is my thing. I like, I think it's exciting to, to look at the history of the English language and how every part of the world, of the known world at the time, have influenced English. So even though it's a Germanic language like Danish, it's been affected by the time when the Vikings marauded and ruled over England, and that shows in the language, but it's also obviously affected by the, the Romans, which means that the third of root words in English is a Greek. And that's, I think that's cool how the world is rubbed off on English. I don't know. I've got so many thoughts going through my head based on, one, what you just said. Uh, two, we had a really great conversation just before the interview where you know we discussed a handful of things that I wish we could fit into this upcoming, what, 15 minutes now roughly that we have. Um, <laughs> but uh, to, to paint the picture I'll a little bit. I'll have to come back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you're positioning yourself Everyone well. Everyone sees off. I don't know, you know, you know what, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about it now. Episode, uh, episode 50, this is episode 49. So episode 50 is next. Maybe we'll just do a part one, part two interview. I think this we could choose the topic and, and talk around that perhaps. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. You know what? There's no maybes. I mean, I don't even know who we've got lined up for episode 50 now. So there we go. You're going to be part two. <laughs> I'm flexible. <laughs> episode I have to be 50. Anything that's happening to do with Lieberland. So 
and I think then that'll give us more time to, to go into uh, some of those other topics we were, we were discussing. So, but anyways, yeah, for, you know, for the sake of this interview, for the sake of our listeners getting to know you a bit more, very uh, diverse background. Again, you've got the Australian accent so that I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you that as a North American, we love that, that accent uh, probably more than the English or South African. So congratulations. <laughs> what, uh, how did you begin your journey as a Liberlandia? Um, well, yeah, we were talking about that earlier. I, I think um, I owe my anarchism uh, to my father, who is an amazing technical in- engineering person, but doesn't not a man of many words. But on a few occasions, he told me things as a child. It didn't mean anything to me at the time, but looking back on it, I'm thinking, wow, that's actually what... I finally found, and that's what he had all the time, but he wasn't able to articulate it very well. Mm. And on one occasion, this is years ago when I was a little kid, that Denmark had a a referendum about whether they should join the European Union. And my dad said, no, they shouldn't. It's not the right thing. And he didn't exactly elaborate, but I just remember older friends at school who were starting to become politically aware were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we should join it. It's the best thing since sliced bread and all this sort of stuff. And um, I was wondering why are they so enthusiastic when my dad is not. But then I just went on and the bell rang and I went out for lunch and forgot mm-hmm. about it. Um, and then another time we were driving the car and we were talking about the law for seatbelts. And my dad said, well, the law shouldn't tell us to wear seatbelts. It should be our choice. We right. should make a wise choice. It shouldn't be the law that tells us these things. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> and another time I remember him saying whenever the government made a new law, they should always get rid of two old laws that weren't really useful or achieving the purpose anymore. Mm. In, a, in a sense, a way that in order to get beautiful roses, you need to prune the rose bush. And I thought, hmm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I sort of, you know, they were just in my mind. And as I've grown up and grown older, I'm now in my 50s, I've just seen over the last maybe 15 years, the laws, every, it's like a death by a thousand stab wounds, tiny stab wounds of stupid, idiotic laws that encroach on your personal choice. Sometimes it's not big, you know, like you could, but it seems like you keep agreeing every millimeter, every half inch, every eighth of an inch you move further along and you get hemmed in and painted into a corner by idiotic bureaucrats and laws. And it just, frankly, it's pissed me off. So, you know, that's how I guess my personal activism has started. And um, how did I then apply this to Liberland? Well, um, when my wife and I went to Anarchapulco 2017, looking at the speakers, I was intrigued first. I think it was first of all because... Vit Yedlitska is a pretty sort of unusual Eastern European name. That stood out of the crowd of the mostly kind of American mix of people there. Yeah. Um, and I looked it up and saw Liberland and then actually met Vit and Tom Walls in person at Liberland and some of the other Liberlandians. And I just thought it was such a cool project and so clever. And the whole idea of uh, gathering this people together to make this thing a reality. And also, of course, there's so many people who have actually put money into the project and I think there's a lot of people that want it to happen who have the means to make it happen. And then there's a whole bunch of people who are willing to put effort in to make it happen as well. And even though people laugh at it and think it's a pipe dream and, oh, yes, it's like Sealand, you know, that's stupid. 
oil platform off Britain or whatever. People, it's that thing about being brainwashed. They don't actually look into and see the reality of it. And that's what I think if someone's listening now and they think it's a cute little micronation, <laughs> they should actually look into it, find out who's involved, find out how many people have in high positions who are involved in supporting this. It's just incredible. And I think uh, it's going to succeed. It's something, it just means everyone has to, you know, be driven and be stuck with the idea and make it work. And together we can, I think, you know, meeting people like you, this is the first time we're talking, but I've seen you many times in videos and things. And, you know, it's a, it's not some funny Euro, Eastern European thing. It's a, it's a human thing. It's a worldwide thing. Yeah. That was a bit yeah. minute, I suppose. <laughs> that was fantastic. And now, again, it's like, all right, he just said seven things that I want to focus on, but I'm going to go with two. Um, the, first, the first thing is, you know, anything that you can think of that's, that's great. I use this analogy often, uh, but there's so many other ones out there. You just look at the inception of the internet um, or more, more recently cryptocurrency and blockchain, like anything tied to innovation that ever existed always went through some phase where either people thought it was a joke, they thought it wasn't going to work. Oh, yes. There's, there's, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing that ever existed that's great that didn't go through a phase of extreme or at least a little bit of criticism. And so when you, we can take a step back now and say in, in really five years, it happened less than five years, but right now we're at five years with Lieberland. Um, you know, we've got over 90 representatives in different countries Thanks to COVID, I would say it's actually expanding rapidly, uh, the growth of just awareness. It is a funny thing because I think you have to be pretty and you really have to have your head stuck deep in the sand at the beach to not start to think that there's something that doesn't add up about this. Right. Um, That's you know, I'm not saying it's not a real <laughs> illness, but so is the flu. And, when, and I don't know, in my business course, I did statistics, very interesting subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've sort of specialized also in total quality management. I'd say good for you. I, I took statistics in, in grad school as well, and I was so happy when I was done with that course. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I agree with you. It, there's a lot of, you know, kind of mathematical stuff you have to get your head around. It's a bit of a pain, but the ideas of it, and I, I was especially uh, interested in business processes and managing and improving business processes and, and total quality management and the work of Edward Stemmings, the American statistician who wanted to teach post-World War II American industry how to improve and become much better because they were turning out, America was turning out a whole lot of half-baked white goods and cars that the world was happy to pay a lot of money for. Mm-hmm. And so they told him to, you know, don't worry, your services aren't needed. So he went across to, to Japan and helped uh, General Douglas MacArthur rebuild, you know, when you drop a nuclear bomb, you sort of have to tidy up <laughs> the mess afterwards and help doing that. Right. And, uh, and that's why we now have Sony, the one and only, and all of the other amazing Japanese companies. It's not because of Japanese culture per se. It's because an American Deming, statistician Edward Demings, taught them TQM, total quality management, and mm. it's statistics that helps these things happen. Uh, they are a bit boring, but you don't have to become that super mathematical to use the tools. Right. And the numbers with this illness do not, they're not even a statistically significant variance to the normal death rates that happen in the world. You wouldn't even, 
there's not even a blip. You know, it's not, it's not real. Yeah. It, you know, it just, why aren't we worried about the flu or obesity or diabetes? You know, so many people die of that. What much more people <laughs> die of COVID, mm-hmm. and we're doing nothing about it. And it doesn't and make sense to me. It's it's getting to so. It, to me, it is part of you see the laws making the world stay or the Western world stay indoors. What? How did that happen? From one right. one day to the next? No, everyone thinks like I say. It's not real. I think it's crazy. Look at the numbers. And they all turn and it's, ah, you don't care about all the people who are dying. My family think I'm completely crazy. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I think that there's a lot of people that can, are starting to relate to what you just shared, which is there's, there's so many flaws in what's being told to the general public. And from what I've seen day after day, there's an, a new way that COVID-19 is being exposed for not being anywhere close to as threatening as, again, as the narrative goes. It's, it's the one thing I can say that's been great about what has happened is it has given everyone an opportunity to take a step back, slow down, reassess their own lives, take a look at what they can do better. As we just mentioned, I think even though it seems ridiculous. Um, at least at Liberland, I believe we've made the most of it. We had a fantastic fifth anniversary seminar that I think, oh, yeah. we, you know, we've reached, really good. we reached so many more people thanks to COVID than we would have if we would have done it in person. This message, I'm sure that this episode that we're doing now is going to land on more ears than it normally would have because everyone's searching for information, searching for answers, searching just for something. There's, there's definitely a lot of good that's coming from this. It's just, I think my main concern, and it sounds like this is what, where you're, what you're thinking too, is, you know, what's next? Death by a thousand steps. Yeah, it is interesting because yeah. it, it's like the work. Well, first of all, the thing that shocked me to the core was that here in Australia, we have a conservative government um, always not wanting to spend money to stimulate because that's a conservative way. You know, we've got to pay, repay our debts all of this stuff, we don't want to pay money to unemployed because, you know, that's not economic, it doesn't help the economy, blah, blah, blah. Then next day you hear, oh, COVID, 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 pandemic, yada, yada, yada. Next minute, oh, we're stopping the economy. Here, we just press the big red stop button. Boom. What? Mm. And I have incredible. To, I, I, and I then, have to cut in here real quick and just say one thing that really just... I'm looking for the right word. It just makes me sad or upset is to hear the phrase essential workers used as though, you know, someone is more important than another person. I think all workers truly are essential. And this is, I guess, now I'm sharing a little bit more of an opinion, but just because you're, you know, you're paid by the government should never mean that, that you are more essential than, you know, someone else. And there's so many people out there hurting right now because they're not a quote unquote essential. And I just think that's, um, it's just very sad. And especially when for us, and it looks like um, from my observation in America, it's the same, but um, it seems like most privately owned small businesses have had to close or there are the consequences, mm-hmm. but the big stores like um, Home Depot and a whole bunch of stores like that, are, they are called essential. But, you know, like you think, hang on a minute, they're billionaire owners. They must be the mates who get to keep their business going. And it just doesn't seem like all our big chain uh, um, um, supermarkets are open and so on. 
but it's the little stores that, that are closed down and are going out of business. There's a lot of vacant places. There's for rent signs, you know, that that business used to go to now is finished after yeah. a few weeks of not being able to get any money and not being able to pay the rent, not being able to negotiate with the landlord and so on and so forth. And it's like they're culling small business. And again, that's individual expression. People that do not want to turn up working for the government for a paycheck, they want to run their own business. And it's like mm. they've been cut off at the knees, you know? Yeah. Very sad. Yep. So, you know, more and more information is going to continue to, to leak, to get out there. And our mission is to at least spread, spread as much truth as we believe we can. So uh, I, I really do believe this is going to be a great episode. And then I'm looking forward to our next one. I say that because we got a few minutes here for part one to wrap it up. I want to bring it back to Lieberland and the future that, you know, you and I both see as fellow citizens there, especially living there one day. I know we, uh, we yeah. don't right now, but, uh, you know, say you know, uh, right living. now, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> right now it's just natural swampland and uh, light wooded area. I mean, it's uh, pretty amazing and it's got a beautiful river. Um, but then just across the river in uh, Spartan, there's already economic um, development happening because of investment by Lieberlandians. The country yeah. doesn't even exist yeah, you know, but- as a, like a Hong Kong or Dubai reality yet, yet there is a special economic zone happening because of it. And I just really hope and pray that the Croatian neighbours can see that and want to be part of the show rather than yep. send their little men in suits and uniforms out to patrol the <laughs> border that's not even theirs. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to say, it, so, you know, when Lieberland is physically and fully established, how do you envision your, uh, yourself living there? What do, you, what do you see yourself doing on a daily basis? This is a dream big question. <laughs> I was actually thinking about maybe investing in property across the river in, near Aspartane or near there. I actually really like the river. I, I like that area. I like the old Europe. As a Dane and walking through the streets of Copenhagen, you get the feel of that uh, medieval city, and, but it's still very modern. But in, the, in Eastern Europe, you can still find many cities and places that haven't been overrun by modernity, and you can still get that old feeling. <laughs> As a historian, I suppose I really like so probably I'd, I'd, I'd probably see myself maybe living in uh, Slovenia across the river. Nice. I, am, I, am, I don't know if I told you that. I am Slovenian. So, um, I would, oh, okay. Terrific. Yeah. I would actually, the way I see myself is having actually, well, I'd really like to build a quite a large catamaran. And already in my mind got, it's got to be a yellow sail with the Lieberland emblem <laughs> on it and register it in Lieberland like other people register their yacht in Panama. Yes. And um, I'd like to sort of not be stuck in one place, but have a place in Eastern Europe and maybe somewhere in either South America or Central America or maybe even Mexico. Yep. And, and sort of enjoy different parts of the world. And by actually by sailing, especially now with all this, you know, they make, even since 9-11, they make flying such a horrible experience. Right. You know what? Here's the funny thing about flying. When, when, when we've traveled to the United States, of course, with the TSA, you have to take your shoes off, your belt off. You've got to go through, you know, either you have to be touched up by the TSA, you have to go through the scanner, the x-rays or whatever it does. 
or we caught a private flight from Burbank to Las Vegas for close to the same cost as a commercial airline, but it was a private airline and it, there was no security at all. They didn't mm. check our bags. And nice. they, while we were waiting for the plane to turn up, there was coffee in the lounge and you could play ping pong and air hockey and <laughs> it was just great. Okay. So you can travel within the United States without all the security nonsense. It's just it's not as wide as the commercial. The price is not that much more than commercial, but it just proves what a load of crap all this security is. It's, it's, it's just to control people and humiliate people and make them obey orders by people in, in uniforms. And I think it's being tightened even more now. You know, if they're about making you not able to participate in certain things in society unless you're vaccinated mm. or more and more obey orders from police that are not really legal orders. They're more their choice at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, you know, a guy swimming by himself on the beach. Like, what? <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Amen, brother. Well, I'm, look, I'm definitely looking forward to um, our time together in Lieberland. And one thing we'll touch on in, in part two is your interest in Acapulco, Mexico. That is definitely a unique place. You know, I've had some great experiences there, including, including uh, in Acapulco 2020. So you were at 2017. I was at 2020. We're going to wind this thing down. Hans, what is the single best way for anyone listening to follow up and get in touch with you? Um, yeah, especially now, any, look, I've, um, I make this commitment, anyone who wants to get in contact, and even if it's nothing to do with Australia, but you just want to know more about Lieberland, please send me an email. That's the easiest way. So my email, you'll probably put it in the notes afterwards, mm-hmm. but it's Hans Norvid, H-A-N-S-N-O-R-V-E-D at gmail.com. I'll end every single email. Perfect. Thank you. Thank if you so much. Staying, you know, we need people here to... We're planning to resuscitate our legal land presence. We've got a database of 2,400 odd people and we want to see how many are very interested still and get some action on the ground and, and make a bit of noise for legal land so other people can find out. Absolutely, yep. And I'll, I'll say, hey, if you need my help with anything, we're, we're friends now, so. <laughs> yep, that All is right. Adam, good on you, good on you mate. <laughs> Guys, this has been episode 49 of The Lieberland Show. We're joined today by Hans Norvid, representative of Australia. I'm your host, Adam J. Carswell. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you in the next episode.